Good morning and welcome back to another We Are Sunland podcast morning briefing in partnership with the Sunland Farm Museum. We've got another sponsorship uh, partner to announce, uh, Cospex, qualified optician in, in Durham. So, Joe, good morning. How are you doing? Uh, I'm not bad. Yourself? Yeah, all good, all good. Um, I suppose there's, there's loads to talk about today, isn't there? Um, it's been quite an eventful couple of days since um, the defeat to Birmingham. Yeah, well, it's just been it's been a busy week, hasn't it? You know, obviously the three games, but on and off the field, there's been quite a lot going on, hasn't there? You know, um, some of it good, probably more of it bad, if we're being honest. So, leave Sunderland in quite a strange place. Sort of, here we go again. I think you did a piece yesterday, didn't you? You know, we've been here before, sort of thing. Um, yeah, and it it does it does feel a little bit like that. You know, it was a really good chance for. The, them to kick on after certainly after the Plymouth game if you want to go in isolation game to game it was a really good chance for Sunderland to kick on from there and then the two away games have been such a letdown haven't they just in the manner of which mm-hmm. if which they've lost the games you know um could as fail it was Sorber Thomas came out and said that they thought they could bully Sunderland you know it's not, not hard to disagree with that and then Saturday was a little bit different for me I think the first half some of very good value for the lead at half time to be honest it was yeah. good Good away performance, and then the second half it was again a case of someone not being able to string ninety minutes together. I don't, I don't know if that's something that you share, but it was just yeah. so off the pace, and it's something that we've seen quite a lot of, um, both with Michael Bale and, and predating Michael Bale. They just can't seem to string ninety minutes together at the moment. Yeah, it's hard to really take stock of the situation that they find themselves in, isn't it? Because if you take yourself out of like the, the fan point of view and look at it, heading into the Birmingham game. You were, was it, I think you were just a point outside still. I, I might be wrong. You, you were at least heading into Huddersfield. But there wasn't a lot in it between the playoff picture and where they were. But now, obviously, four yeah. points. And it's it's staggering how much things can change in the space of a week. And I know social media isn't the best gauge of things. I think I said that in the piece. But as we've said a number of times, like Michael Beale finds himself in a really, really strange position, I think. Um you know, he's on the back of, you know, three games unbeaten, seven points from a possible nine. And you're saying, right, that there's the line in the sand. Let's move on from here. Michael Beale said that himself. I think the general consensus among Sunderland fans was, yeah, let's accept that. Let's move on. But then two games later, you find yourself exactly right back where you were. And yeah. it's... I think I think it's clear to point you have to point out that some of the issues that Sunderland are facing at the moment predate Michael Beale, like they do. Um I think to a degree they even predate Tony Mowbray. I said that in a piece tonight. Even back to the League One days of when Parkinson was there, Sunderland were one of they they were expected to win automatic promotion. Now expectations are different. There's a new ownership, there's a lot of water under the bridge since then, but the, the general consensus is that Sunderland are dominating games, but they're either not scoring and they're not coming away with, with the results that they should be be coming away with. I mean, just on the Birmingham game as a whole, again, you're not going to go. I think, I think because I wasn't in the press conference where Michael Beale said about we're not going to dominate you know the game, so you can talk about that uh, shortly. We're not going to blow teams away. Now, to a degree... I get what he's trying to get at by saying, look, you're not going to come and blow every single team away. But supporters aren't expecting that. They're not. It, 
you know that when you go away and on the road that the home side's going to have opportunities. It, you, you would be Manchester City if if that wasn't the case. So you're going to go places and they're going to have natural ebbs and flows in the games. So the first half at Birmingham, you had that. You had, you know, Anthony Patterson had to tip one over the bar. But for the large, you know, period of that 45 minutes, Sunderland were actually pretty solid defensively. Yes, there was ebbs and flows, but Michael B was writing after the game and saying that Anthony Patterson didn't have a lot to do. Now, over the over the course of the first half, Sunderland had opportunities. I mean, before they've even scored, that Mason Burstow miss is a huge, huge opportunity. Now, whether the ball was slightly behind him, don't know. It, it looked like that from where I was in, in, in the press box, but then obviously you are some distance away and it happened so quickly. That was a big opportunity. They then... That, that comes from Romain Mundell down that right-hand side, and we'll get on to him in a little bit, no doubt, but I was particularly impressed with him. They then obviously open the scoring through Jack Clark. After Clark, Mundell has an opportunity. I don't think it's big as as big an opportunity as Michael Beale says. I think the shot's actually being dragged wide. At least it was from my angle, and I was behind it. But they've had opportunities in that first half, and then to come out in the second half, it, too many times we've been here, particularly in just the past couple of months, and you've been, it's been like watching a different team. They've gone in with such impetus and such free-flowing football. All right, as I say, you're not going to completely dominate games from start to finish, but that's an unrealistic expectation and nobody is expecting that. They just want to see a bit more of a complete performance. No, it's, it's a fair comment. Um, and I do to go back to the start of that, I do get what, in a way, I get what Michael Bale is saying. You know, you're not going to come in and win 3 or 4 nil every week. But like you said, supporters aren't demanding that. Um, it's not unrealistic for that to happen every so often, though. But the problem no, no. is, we're, we're not seeing that at all. That that's absolutely yeah. That was where, where I was up. And I think I think I touched on this on Friday's show that if you go back to September, there was a period there. You know, the five nil against Southampton. I think three one yeah. away at QPR, three nil Sheffield Wednesday, three one against Norwich. You know, there was there was a period of games within that run of sort of five, six, seven games where. It did start to feel as though it was clicking again, like what we saw from last season. Um, I think a lot of the problem is we live in a kind of world where the ethos is that what you do now is going to be better than what you did before. Yeah. So if if you take that into from last season, coupled with you know sort of comments that have come out of the club over the summer saying not necessarily happy of just making the playoffs, which is again that is a fair comment. We spoke about it again in terms of Sunland. When they're in the champ- when they're outside of the Premier League, they should be competing to get into it. That is the kind of stature of the club. Now, don't get me wrong. There's probably eight, nine, ten other teams in the Championship who, who feel the same. You know that that's how competitive this division is. But you're right in what you say that at the minute it's just a for, for, for too much this season. Outside of that month or sort of six or seven games that I'd said there, it's just felt a bit off. I, I, I don't. It's hard to put your finger on it outside of obviously the striker situation, which. You can speak about every week. It's just it, it, even the sort of the structure of games hasn't felt the same. I say the tempo, the pace of things, and that second half was a was another excellent point of it. Just something not being quite right there. And it, it, the worrying thing is, you know, we, we we heard about the Huddersfield point of view in terms of saying they can bully Sunderland. Birmingham probably had similar. Like, I know I'm contradicting myself a little bit here. It's just obviously they're going to come out and. and bring something different to the table. Now, I'm not saying that they got up and in Sunderland's face, but they just sort of upped the tempo. And Sunderland, mm. I think it was Dan Ballard after the game, said, you know, we knew they were going to come out and, and give us something different and change things up. 
haven't been able to adapt to that and it seems as though that is a bit of a common trait at the minute where they can't really adjust to any changes that other teams are making so they're the ones that are going to have to be sort of proactive and then it comes back to that proactive and reactive thing that we're speaking about Middlesbrough for example could could the substitutes have come before the goal was coming where it did feel as though that goal was coming early in the second half all right they come away with that with a draw in that game but you kind of you're treading a thin line aren't you if that is the process of of how games go and the worrying thing was i think when birmingham did equalize you felt that they were going to go if there was going to be a winner you felt as though it was going to be a birmingham winner now i know there was a disallowed goal from mason burstow but it just felt as though they were the ones really in the tendency then obviously the crowd are up and it does become difficult you know that there are times in games where especially away from home where you do have to try and manage the situation but they just weren't able to do it they weren't able to keep possession they weren't able to threaten anywhere near enough going the other way now i know there was still plenty of attempts at goal throughout the game and things like that but the xg was lower than one for again if i'm not mistaken you know it's just it's hard to sort of we've said it before figure out what Sunderland are at the moment in terms yeah. of the, the style of team that they are they a counter-attacking team are they a possession-based team now we saw in the first half on Saturday, it was it was a really efficient away performance, and they deservedly had, had the lead. But then you've got to try and either maintain that, or you have to be able to react to to them what's coming, and, and they weren't able to do that. And, and it is a worry at how I easy think, that is yeah. to happen. I think what's confusing is, and for everybody watching it, is how you can turn in such vastly different performances. The first half, as you say, you'd be happy with that. If that if if the whole game played out like that, where yeah. you keep limiting Birmingham to very little, you'd be really happy with that. But the confusion arises in how how can how can there be such a big drop off? Now Michael Beale was asked that after the game, and he says, well, you know, we're gonna have to pick the bones out of it, and that's all fair and well. But and I understand that, but you it, that's now the the second game or so where They've, they've turned in, had a good first half performance, at least under him, and then they've not, or, or they've not been able to sustain it. So it's just a really strange, bizarre situation. Now, just quickly to go on a, a point that you made about obviously the the message from above. There was an interesting article come out in the Financial Times yesterday, I think it was, wasn't it, from from Kirill. Now, again, you because it's the way that the quotes are, are used in the piece, he comes out and says. Um, Promotion to the Premier League is is an absolute absolute necessity. Um, so the period that we're going through now is the longest Sunderland have ever been outside of the Premier League. It's not something that anyone's used to. We think our strategy is going to get us there. Now, all fair and well, fair comment. It's only been three years. It's not a big time frame. They did inherit a bit of a mess when they came through the door. But as you say, it's it's all the ha- the there has to be some sort of year-on-year progression. I don't think that's out of order. That, As you say, there's been comments coming from the club hierarchy. The message has been repeatedly, we want promotion this season. So that has maybe played into what we'll talk about shortly, the, the social media sort of ferrari around Michael Beale. There was talk of him potentially being sacked over the weekend. Obviously, that hasn't been the case. I don't think that will be the case, at least in the short run anyway. Um Sunderland season is in a very, very strange situation, isn't it? We spoke after the Borough game about two sides being really in in a similar place. There are still just four points outside of the playoffs. But if you look at it, the grand scheme of things, if they need more points than what they finished on last year, they need seven minimum to surpass that. Seven wins would take them 21. I think that ends 
something like 71 points, something like that. But six of the next 13 games are away from home. So that's implying that you win every home game and lose every away game. So there has to be a vast improvement somewhere. And I think the, the problem that we have at the minute is nobody is quite able to put their finger on on the pulse of where the problems lie, particularly on, on the pitch. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you could argue, again, going back to the start of that, in terms of stringing together the 90 minutes this week as a whole has just been a microcosm of the season, hasn't it? I think yeah, Bill, yeah, he, he said it after the Plymouth game, but obviously about the first half and then the second half, how can the first? How can we do what we did in the first yeah. half and do what we did in the second half, I think was his quote to paraphrase. Huddersfield was subpar throughout yeah. the 90s, really. Um but then, obviously, Saturday was was the same. You know, good first forty-five. Well, or flipping it rather, good first forty-five, and then off the boil the second half. But then yeah. again, sorry, just to interrupt. Just on that Huddersfield, though, how can you? The question's still there, isn't it? How do yeah, you yeah. go from performing like you do against Plymouth to then that? It's just there's, the peaks and troughs are incredible, and they need to try and balance it out through throughout, don't they? And that's where you you can almost start looking, you know, beyond in the in the dugout that it would be an issue. Sorry, that's my dog barking in the background if you're watching live on the stream. It, it goes beyond the, the dugout almost then in terms of just the sort of squad structure. And, you know, you, you mentioned the word progression. How's the squad progressed from the end of last season? You know, there's probably been, well, where, where we are, 33 games into the season now. That is a pretty good sample size and four points off, 10th in the table. Would suggest that it's probably not at this moment in time. Now, yes, mitigating circumstances in terms of last season possibly been overachieving. There's probably a fine balance somewhere in the middle, isn't there? But if mm. the messages coming out from the top are, you know, that we want to chase promotion or that, you know, we're not just satisfied in terms of getting into the playoffs, whether that's be from Christian Speakman or Kira Louis Dreyfus, like in the interview that you referenced, fans are going to cling to that, aren't they? You know, that if if that's the message that's almost been relayed, then they were within their rights to think that they're off the pace at the moment. I don't think many would say that you know, something are going to get, or, or we, we should be getting automatic promotion this season. No, it would just be a case of being in contention, possibly, or at least seeing what we saw last season, but then with a little bit of improved home form. I mean, if, if the home form improved last season to what it was this season, for example, that would have kicked you on, and you probably wouldn't have been. I mean, obviously, Sheffield and Burnley ran away with it, but you'd have still been a little bit closer to those ahead of you. I think Middlesbrough and Coventry, or certainly Middlesbrough, ended up quite comfortably in the playoffs last season didn't they and it's one of them where it's again it hasn't been it hasn't been anywhere near that really and they find themselves in in a real scrap at the moment um you know Bill came in I think when when Tony Mowbray left there was three points the, the gap from the playoffs I think they were ninth and there were three points adrift Mike Dodds then had the three games got it to two points possibly now they're four points off it so it's it's much of a muchness but it's it's not improvement, is it? At the very, at the very, you can say it, it's almost standing still. At the very least, at the worst, it's you know you're regressing, and that is a real worrying sign. And I think there's five games now going into going into the international break. And Michael Bale spoke about this this week, saying we have to be in within touching distance or striking distance of the top six going into that international break, and then all it, it turns into like a really mini season, doesn't it? Down the home stretch, they're going to have to win some games that. They're probably not expected to win now. Going through these five games, you know, you go to Norwich next weekend, then you have Leicester City, and then you go to Southampton. So that makes the pressure on Swansea this weekend, and then the QPR game, the last one before the international break. You know, 
really high pressure games and then if the waveform's still not there bale again touched on it didn't he saying the longer that the waveform's there it puts more pressure on the home game so it's a really we talked about this week he spoke about this week it's ended up being a really poor week these five games are almost make or break really for the season it feels yeah i completely agree i mean just a stat that i saw over the weekend i think it was on um saturday so there's obviously a couple of games still to be played but i think it was only 10 teams in the championship history had won 66 points or more after 32 games so you can almost write the top four off in leicester Leeds, southampton mm-hmm. and ipswich can't you so then you're competing for two two places now i think it, if you go back to obviously this the talk of the home form if you look at that you sort of expect you expect teams to come to the stadium of light get sit men behind the ball because if they come away and nick a one nil then that's fair enough what's confusion like particularly confusing around the away form is in theory the impetus is on the home side to go out and get a result isn't it so that should leave gaps for Sunderland to go and exploit but we're just not saying that we're, ju- we're just not saying that at all and I think we're in the midst now of, of a, a run of games where we've said if Sunderland are to go and finish in that top six these games right now are hugely important now to come away from Birmingham and Huddersfield with zero points it's not good enough is it no, we, yeah, we spoke before the Plymouth game, this run of four games, because of that three next at the start of next month. It, with Swansea this uh, this weekend to round it off, what would your sort of points total be? You'd probably... Uh, could you get away with seven out of 12? Possibly, but you'd then still be thinking needed to be at least nine. Um, that would legislate for, obviously, the one defeat. Obviously, can't even get that. Now, the best they're going to get six, and that is, it's not, it's not playoff form, is it really? Um, and that, that goes back to what we've just been saying. It, it feels as though they haven't been in in that conversation enough. I, I know they're hanging around there, in and around the top six, but you've never been convinced by what we've seen so far this season that they can yeah. really sustain it. And again, there's so many factors that you can talk about with it. But ultimately, that that is the way that it feels, and and the. The results speak for themselves. Already lost more games than what they have last season. Just it feels like a, a team that's probably going to sort of peter out and, and finish mid-table at the moment, unless they can book the trend of what we've seen over two thirds of the season. Yeah, lost more games than Huddersfield as well, who are twentieth. It's just exactly you know such a such a like the championship is a strange old league at the best of times. But even if you just look at the teams above Sun and now, I wasn't. I wouldn't say I was particularly impressed with. Preston, when they came to the stadium, right? I thought they were poor, but they're now above Sunderland, unbeaten in the last five, won three of those. Hull won four of the last five. Norwich won three of the last five, only been beaten once. Coventry, two of the last five, two draws in there, one defeat. West Brom, two wins, one draw, two defeats. If you look at Sunderland at the minute, it's it's two wins, one draw, two defeats, but sides around them are they're not stepping off the gas. They're, they're starting to make the most of their opportunity. And if a gap forms, then poof. I think Hull have the game in hand as well, don't they? I think they play Southampton. Yeah. Might, might be this week, if I'm not mistaken. Obviously, a tricky game, but any points in that extends the, the gap to the top six as well. And then you've got, like I said there, you've got to go to Norwich in a fortnight's time. And, and they seem to be hitting their stride a little bit. That's becoming a difficult place to go. So... It's all cliche. There's no easy games in this in this league, and it's right. You know, Huddersfield's prime example. They've gone and done the double over Sunderland this season, but them three at the start of next month feel really, really tough. And if you go into the back of that without a winning three, 
you know, depending on how this weekend goes, things become really, really difficult for Michael Bale. And it's obviously not just the on-field stuff, is it? There's off-field things that continue to come in, like what we saw on Saturday, the whole handshake gate, I think, was yeah. it was labelled as. I mean, but what was your take on it? You, you were down there. Now, I didn't actually see it from the stands, because obviously you're focusing on the game. In it's such a, a strange one, isn't it? Because the footage, obviously, I've seen the footage. The footage looks really bad. But from, I'm not pretending I'm Michael Beale's best mate here when I say this. But from <laughs> speaking to Michael Beale as a character and, and getting to see what he's like early doors, I think it's a little bit harsh. I, I don't particularly think he's he's done that on purpose. Yes, it looks bad. He came out and apologized. There's been, you know, he, he posted on Instagram afterwards. And then there was backlash because he posted on Instagram. I just think it's a man who's defending himself from criticism now. All right, maybe he should have just came out and said, look, I didn't see him. That's fair enough. It doesn't look great. And like I've said, you you just run the risk, don't you, of, of scrutinising everything. And, and suddenly, yeah. if if we're doing, if we're scrutinising everything, if we're scrutinising every word from press conferences, how questions are posed, you're starting to get in a pretty dangerous territory where the head coach, let's just take it out, Michael Beale out of this situation, is is fighting against an ongoing wave and an ongoing yeah. tide. Now, that's not that's not to defend Michael Beale because, again, all the criticism... It, if, if you disagree with things on the pitch, that's fine. We do. That's our whole job. You, you, you put your opinions across. But again, so, there's been things popping up online of just personal abuse towards him. And there's just no need for that sort of thing. And it it's it, it just bizarre. Like it, That situation as a whole, um, you messaged me, didn't you, and say, it, it does not look good. I'm not a body language expert either. So the step to one side, Sunderland were defending at the time, that's why he's looking that side of the pitch. And I know he's in the corner of his eye, but has he stepped just to see where the ball's gone? Because this is a man who's who's fighting for his life and his job at the same yeah. time now. He spoke about being calm. We'll, we'll see how calm he is in the next couple of weeks. But again, it's, it, it's, it's a really, really strange situation that a head coach finds himself in, having only been there a couple of months now. That went viral, didn't it, that, that yeah. incident? I think that's the thing as well. Like that's when I'd spoken to you about it. You could kind of you, you knew what was going to come. Yeah. The way that, that it looked, you knew what was was going to come. You know, rightly or wrongly. Um, and if it feels again, it feels as though it's just sort of on trend with everything that's kind of happening with him. Junior said he's been caught up in so much backlash, which hasn't been his fault. You know, I'm referring to sort of the Newcastle yeah. stuff. There, we'll go back to that. He, he got caught up in a backlash of that, no doubt about it unfairly really if we're being honest you know but then obviously the results on the field didn't counteract that and I think that's a problem I mean, if Sunderland were winning at that point on Saturday and that happened would there have been as much made of it I'd argue probably not you know it just feels like an, another thing like you said there it's just another thing where people will jump on it where with that's kind of where the club's at at the moment where there's any sort of negativity around it then it, it, there is a pile on and it's understandable in a way because of what we've yeah. spoken about at the beginning of this show, just in terms of the expectations and are they progressing, but they're not progressing, are they regressing, or are they just standing still? And in this division, if you stand still, you you tend to go backwards. But yeah, it was just another untimely sort of yeah. I think it's the player as well, isn't it? Who, who it was, because Trey Hume's been your solid seven out of ten minimum 
most weeks. Now he's been one of the standout performers, and again, like he's he's so he's so held in such high regard with Sunderland fans, and to to appear to snub him, but it's just not a good look. Like you're saying. <sighs> It's, there was a bit of Ips, which wasn't there with Alex Pritchard, where you know, it, yeah. obviously, you know, we're not lip readers or body language experts, where it looked as though there was a little bit of a difference of opinion there. Might have been tactically, it might have just been in terms of substitutions, but that was another one where where people kind of jumped on it and, and were asking questions about it. Where in house, there might not be, yeah. there might not even be the conversation. You know, Michael Bill might have gone in on Saturday and just sort of said, "Look, Trey, I've been asked about this. Is, is there anything in this?" Might have said no, and it was squashed there. And then, while it all plays out for the rest of the weekend, you know, and in, in in sort of the Sunland social media world, but that is the kind of world that we live in, and it's only going to jump on. And that's where obviously the rumours from last night came as well. It's just another thing that you just didn't need, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That that's like I say. I think sometimes you are danger of overanalyzing things, yeah. and it, like you say, I think that. If they're winning that game, that conversation is we're not even having it really, are we? I don't think the camera pans to him. I don't think I don't think they're even talking about it. But because Sunderland are getting beat, two two defeats on the bounce. Yeah, it's just just incredibly, incredibly strange to even analyze, to to dissect it. You're not on the line. You don't I put I put this across. The atmosphere at St Andrews was brilliant. You, at yeah. times you couldn't hear yourself think. So if if he hasn't if he hasn't heard him, then fair enough. You can only take his word for it. And listening back to his interview with Nick Barnes, he, he, he sounds genuinely surprised by the fact that 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 this was an incident. So yeah, it's hard not to get drawn into it again and and, and make it something it isn't. I think you've got to try and just take it for face value, and that sometimes is easier said than done, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But and you've got to understand that he's coming into this sort of dejected of the way that the game's panned out. You know, they've been beaten. We spoke about going into it, a game that you probably didn't want to have given the baggage with it, surrounding Tony Mowbray to then lose it, how Sunderland lost it. It's just a, another last thing he needed, wasn't it? You know, for for those teams at the end and Mowbray to then sort of get one up on them if if you like, and then is is that's a sort of a well there you go f- from his point of view to the Sunderland hierarchy and things like that. And it's just it was just an absolute a result that they just did not need at all in then yeah. the events that, that transpired. And then on top of that as well, Dan Ballard picked up his 10th yellow card, didn't he? Which rules him out the next two games. Add to that, Paddy Roberts, who's going to be out for, what, what did Michael Bale say, four or five weeks, four, I think. So. Never rains but a pause at the, at the moment, doesn't it, for, for Michael Bale and Sunderland? It certainly feels that way. I think just a word on Tony Mowbray as well. I think the class he showed afterwards going over to salute the Sunderland fans. Now, yeah, some it might annoy some people. It might be seen as just a token gesture. He spoke with Michael Beale very briefly at full time, obviously just wishing him well, um, You know, saying that he, he knows he's got a really good group of players there to keep going. Now, Tony Mowbray says he knew what Mike, knows what Michael Beale's going through at this moment to a degree because Tony Mowbray yeah. was never met with all this backlash and things that are going on behind the scenes. He might be happy now looking at this situation from an outside and going, I'm glad I'm not there now. Yeah. But but just as you say on, on Dan Ballard, I actually think he won the ball in that challenge. I think yeah, it's one it was... of those one of those where you get the man and it's so it's unfortunate, but I think we're likely to see Jensen Seal come in, so every cloud and all that. 
Um, it, he's he has impressed from what we've seen. I don't think he's a right back, but I, I I do. I'm looking forward to seeing him in the next couple of games. Yeah, it, it was always going to be a case. I think that the one positive you take from that was that Luke O Nine didn't then go and pick one up, so they were both out, wasn't it? So yeah. at least at least one of them is going to be there. Michael Bale's spoken a lot about, and we'll probably touch on this later in the week, but he's spoken a lot about possible change of system. I just wonder whether this then brings an opportunity, particularly if Callum Styles is going to be back in and around, mm. back in and around con- uh, contention. Um, maybe he's dropped Leo Hialda back in, and then have three centre backs with Silton on nine, Hume on the right, and then Styles over at left wing back. That could be something. Like I say, well, maybe looking into further detail once we've spoken to Michael Bale later in the week. But yeah, Seals. I don't think people will be overly concerned with Jensen Seal coming in. It's just another one of them where just the timing of it isn't it, given the significance um, of the weekend. I think um, to go back on to Saturday, just to sort of finish it up on, on Saturday with a positive that came out, you mentioned him at the start of the show, Romain Mundell, his first start. I think we were both a little bit surprised to see him start. I thought I might have got a few more minutes than what he did against Huddersfield, but he started 70 minutes or so, and I think he certainly made a decent account of himself. Yeah, uh, I've spoken about expectations and managing them and not getting too carried away, but I'm I'm really tempted to get quite carried away about Romain <laughs> Mundell. Now, no, seriously though, 45 minutes, I thought he was absolutely outstanding. He, he is what they've missed. That Yeah. I'm a huge fan of Patrick Roberts as well, but in his absence, you know, Abdullah Bars came in, been fine. The problem is, I think you have one or two performances from Abdullah Bar, and then you have four or five where they're just pretty. Yeah, it's indifferent, pretty, isn't it? Well, yeah. Whereas Mundo Pacey, like I said to you before the game from his under 21s game, he's not he's not necessarily a ball carrier, but the first first glimpse you had of the ball or the first real chance of the game came from Mundo just. Shifting it one side of Laird and just swinging a cross in right behind the bat line in a perfect area. And Burstow's missed what what has inevitably been a sitter. But that's that. that I think when we're so straight off, wasn't it? Like in terms of where yeah. I think we've asked for Kudson and switch Clark and Patrick Roberts at times, yeah. just just in games if things aren't working rather than the inverted winger, just so they can do that where they can just hook one round round the defender rather yeah. than having to cut inside. And that it, it was it was sort of pleasing to see because even with Bar out there. He hasn't really done that much, whereas, yeah. like you say, Mundell did it a couple of times. Yeah, I think there's a this. I don't know whether it's a style of play, whether they're just used to playing this way, but there's a tendency to get to the byline, isn't there, and then cut back and swing yeah. across in deep that way. But sometimes, yeah, they do. They just need to beat that. For, there's so many crosses as well. It's so frustrating, isn't there? Like set pieces, don't beat the first man. But it was a dangerous ball in the area. It was a perfect cross, I thought. And obviously, you've got to do better, at least get it on target there. As I say, was it a bit behind him? I don't know. I'm not on, on the pitch. It looked slightly behind him. But not just that, not just his, his final third. He pulled across, um, and he's not afraid to have a go. Pulled across. Yeah. I think they had a throw in on the left hand side. He's drifted centrally. Nobody went with him, and he's turned, and he's got five yards, ten yards either side of him. He's just had a go, and obviously stung the palms of Ruddy. It was a pr- pretty pretty easy save, to be honest. It was straight at him, but that that's what they need. They need somebody like that. He, he looks pretty lively. Again, don't want to get too carried away. It's first 45, and then second half, he faded, but that's because he hasn't played a, a lot of football. I was impressed. I, I think he's he's going to be an asset, but Obviously, again, like- try not to get too carried away. I particularly like his, his pressing from the front. I thought he was mm. very much a part of what Sunderland did well in the first half. Yeah, you know, the, the if you think of the first goal, for example, now I know it was Pierre Equa who, who stepped up, but 
the line was really high. You know, Birmingham were under Mowbray were obviously wanting to try and play out, and then they were really high, which sometimes we haven't seen. It's usually the other way around where we see teams pressing Sun and and he was very much a case in that, and that's how he sort of fashioned that chance as well. He went and put, I think it was Bielek un, un, under pressure and won the ball from him and then forced the save. There was another one just before that where he won the free kick as well, where he was just kind of just putting his body in there and just being a bit of a nuisance, wasn't he? Mm. That, that is, again, yeah. something that, that you got. You, you almost, you haven't seen it, you, you just haven't seen enough of this season, so really defending from the front had just been a little bit disjointed at times in that sense and stand, yeah. standing off. There was there was one incident as well where obviously he's he's not a big lad he's 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 certainly no Ross Stewart in that sense but I was I was impressed by his his physical stature there was a the opportunity that I spoke about earlier in this video and one that Michael Beale said was a good opportunity they probably should have went two 0 up from was when he's held off Mark Roberts inside the box now Mark Roberts is a big big bloke like but he's holds him off gets gets a yard or two and he's in the box and he can get get a shot off on goal so again. A, it wasn't a complete performance by by any means because again he's forty five minutes, but to his defence he hasn't hasn't played a lot of football. Yeah, I was impressed. I I do think he's he's an exciting prospect and somebody that we'll we'll see in in the coming weeks. So it's just about again managing his game time, getting him up to speed, and I think just just on on the Abdullah Bar thing because I do think this needs spoken about as well. But not not solely focusing on Bar, but the substitutes. It's something that Beale spoke about at Birmingham didn't have the impact it, that he wanted yeah. in the game. And that, that's maybe something that we've seen too many times um, this season. I don't know what you think. It's just it, they don't really seem to have a game changer when, when you know, Patrick Roberts, for example, is out. Cause, but he hasn't really done it this season, has he? So it's 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 a funny situation. But that, then, that, that goes then back to the sort of conversation that we're having in terms of where the squad is at at the moment. Yeah. I think I think Bale touched on it. Was it the Newcastle game where he turned around and he sort of said, I just looked at the bench and I was going along the line and it was getting younger and younger and younger. That is where the squad is at. And, and it has felt like that, like you say, particularly with Patrick Roberts going out, which is why I think Mundell impression on Saturday was, it was certainly a positive to cling to because it, that, yeah. that does give you another option. But that, that, that go, totally goes back to where the squad's at in terms of, did a progress over the summer or in the January transfer window. You know, evidence at the moment is, is saying that it, that it hasn't. All right, we haven't seen Callum Styles yet. I'm expecting him to, to to be tidy. I think he he might be decent. You know, we might see him over the next couple of weeks before the international break, and then more regularly, like in in the running after that. But it's just where Sunderland, right? Yeah, you can add more, a little bit more experience. You know, within it with the styles when you're bringing him on onto the bench, you know, I think he's over hundred games in the championship, hasn't he? But it's just where Sun and squads at at the moment. Did they need to sign players for the here and now rather than in the future? Now that is going to contradict what we've just been speaking about in terms of remain Mundell, but there's a balance, isn't there? Of getting it where players can come in and make an impact now and have that sort of progression in front of them as well. And, but that's the way Sun are doing it at the moment. And it's, it's hard to see it. when you compare it with other teams. Now I know the, the finances and things like that. Are, you know they saw despair, and if you look at sort of the wage structure compared to Sunderland's in the top of the division, it, it's difficult to find that balance. If that's where you're going to do it, that's why people were sort of asking for for experience. Um, it just feels at the moment like the, the, the short with that and, and the options off the bench. Like I say, there hasn't been many occasions where you've 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 turned around and you said, yeah, they've definitely made an impact. I know. You, Plymouth was one of the rarities, actually, yeah. over the course of last week. You know, 
uh, Joe Bellam coming on, he scored, didn't he? And Chris Freak made an impact as well in that game, but they're already in front in that game. Trying to turn games around is something that we haven't seen seen too much of. You know, Rugson and Bindlesburg, probably another one, but we, we sort of... You can name them, though, can't you? That's yeah. that's the problem. Yeah. You, you can name those on, on one hand early, and that, that yeah. hasn't been... You, you are as as was said. You're a danger of the season petering out into nothing now. I think, as you say, that the international break will be big, in the sense of it's time on the training pitch, and that that is ahead of a, a, a tough run of games as well, isn't it? So, yeah, it really is. You know, it just made it, the, the pressure's on. There's no doubt about it. You know, I think it, it Bale's almost opened himself up for that for that as well, just in terms of saying what he said about this week being important, and then going in and standing within touching distance in the international break. So. Really, really critical phase, you know, off the back of this defeat at Birmingham for me. Yeah, thanks again for joining us. We'll we'll close it there. Um, if you haven't, make sure you head over to We Are Sunland, subscribe. It's one pound for just six months. You can also win um a signed shirt from the Papa John's uh, trophy final in 2021. So make sure you head over there. You've got just fill in a form, subscribe, and there you go. Bob's your uncle. You might have a fantastic piece of merch. They're waiting for you. We've been in partnership with, with the Farm Museum and Cospex Opticians. Thanks again for joining us. We'll be back with you on Wednesday.